JV Knowledge Podcast Network. On episode 52 of the InsureTech Geek Podcast, talking about digital coverage for startups with Sam Hodges from Vouch. The InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific tech we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. Man, 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 what a great week this has been. Uh, we are doing an interview uh, today, and, and specifically, my good buddy Rob Galbraith is going to be doing an interview with Sam Hodges from Vouch. Before we get started with, with his interview with Sam, don't forget that you can subscribe to the InsureTech Geek Podcast by texting Geek Out to 66866. Make sure you never miss an episode. Here is Rob Galbraith talking to our guest, Sam Hodges. Well, welcome, welcome, everyone, to another week of the InsureTech Geek podcast. Uh, I am your co-host, but flying solo this week, Rob Galbraith. And this week, I'm pleased to have on Sam Hodges from Vouch. Sam, how are you doing? Doing well, Rob. Thanks for having me on the show. We're so thrilled to have you on. Really appreciate you taking the time. It's March already. It's hard to believe. It, you know, We're almost to the end of Q1 now in uh, 2021, and I, I still am feeling a bit disoriented. I, I think there's a lot of positive signs out there with related to the, the pandemic. We've actually had a, a beautiful week here of weather in, in, in Texas. I think it's up to, to 80 degrees or so after our snowstorm for the past couple of weeks. So yeah, I'm still trying to get a read. It's been a weird year so far and I guess following in the footsteps of 2020. But I, I think a lot of optimism in terms of kind of what, what lays ahead, in, including hopefully some in-person events later this year, hopefully with the vaccine and everything. It'd be great to kind of get back and, and reconnected. So how's the, the year been uh, for you, Sam? Off to a, a good start, hopefully. Well, look, I mean, the, the past year has been, you know, crazy on so many different dimensions and not a year that I'd wish on anyone. You know, 2020 for Vouch was actually commercially a very good year. And 2021 has been off to a really strong start. You know, we're ahead of our board plan at this point. We're actively hiring. And a lot of the major infrastructural work we're doing just to set ourselves up for the rest of the year and kind of going into 2022 and beyond, we feel really good about how all that is uh, it is progressing. To your intro, though, I mean, it is wild. It was exactly a year ago this week that, you know, at a leadership team level, we told everyone, hey, you know, we're going to have to go work, for, uh, you know, work from home for at least a period of time. And uh, we certainly didn't anticipate that being a, a full year, but you know, here we are. But uh, hopefully, getting toward the tail end of all of this. Yeah, it is crazy, and, and that's great to hear. And and you know, I I think it's amazing actually with the the technology and infrastructure that we have had in place in 2020. Can you imagine if we had had this 20 or 30 years ago, what business would have been like? I think it would have been a much different climate. So I know I'm reaching the one year anniversary of when I was last on an airplane, yep. which is very strange. So I was in Sacramento uh, for an agricultural insurance conference talking about insure tech and had no idea that that was going to be my last trip. I remember being very relieved when my first trips, I was supposed to go to like Milwaukee and Philadelphia, a couple of places that I wasn't super jazzed to go to. So I was, I was kind of secretly glad that some of my travel was canceled. But now I, it's, it's been a long enough time. I'm yeah, definitely Jones into, to get back out there, but obviously in a safe space. So we'll definitely talk about a vouch and, and, you know, kind of what your value proposition is and dig deeper into that, Sam. But first we want to start 
start as we always do in the Intradeck Geek podcast with your background. You know, and, and typically what we find is that people don't start out in the insurance world and they, they kind of come to our world through various means and, and various paths. So your background, you were at Brown University, got your undergrad degree there, and then you have a master's and an MBA from Stanford. So maybe you can just kind of, I guess, Start from there. You know, what did you think you were going to be getting into as you were pursuing your your formal education? Where have you been? You've you've done a lot in your career, both on the private side as well as a governmental service. And how did you end up co-founding Bausch? Sure thing. So I'm I'll give you kind of the backstory, which is I grew up on the West Coast in a in a reasonably academic family. And through, you know, at least mid-college, I thought I was going to pursue a pretty academic path. I thought I'd go be, you know, a researcher, PhD of some sort. And uh, honestly, it wasn't until, you know, pretty late in college that I realized that there are just so many incredible things you can do in the private sector. And that was, you know, aside a series of internships that really kind of opened my, my eyes to it. And my path into insurance has been kind of an interesting one. And you know, what I'd say is my first exposure was actually pretty early on in my career. I was working as a strategy consulting, a consultant, and you know we were serving lots of different, you know, mostly very large and mature companies. And uh, lo and behold, one of my first major uh, clients and projects was with Allstate. And so I actually spent uh, the better part of a year on a series of engagements around uh, new product development, new product rollout, working with the Allstate, you know, field agency force, uh, you know, the captive agencies primarily, but also a lot of folks in, you know, in corporate back in, in Northbrook. And that was my first you know, uh, view into the insurance space. Fast forward a little bit and a couple of roles deeper in my career, I uh, was working as an investor. And in part because of that early exposure in the insurance space, I kind of was slotted in as uh, the FinTech and InsurTech guy. And I was very, very lucky to get under the wing of a guy named Larry Wilson, who is one of the grandfathers of the insurance technology uh, space. Larry founded a company back, I think it was in 1974, if memory serves, called the Policy Management Systems Corporation, PMSA. Eventually changed the name to Mind Corporation. And I worked with Larry for uh, a year and a half or so. And we were very active in investing in, you know, kind of the first wave of modern insurance technology. This is back in kind of the mid-2000s. Uh, mid and so, for example, one of the companies that uh, Larry was very involved with that I got involved with as well was Duck Creek Technologies, which actually just went public about uh, nine months ago. So got a little bit of kind of large carrier experience. And then as an investor, you know, spent a lot of time thinking about technology and systems for, for carriers. And then actually kind of went down a, about an almost decade long divergence, building uh, a couple of companies, first in the capital markets technology space, and then another one in the, the commercial lending space. And I'd been just tracking out of the corner of my eye what was happening in the insurance landscape. And I was just blown away because, you know, back when I was first working in the space, InsurTech really meant systems and software and services for large carriers. But beginning about, you know, seven or eight years ago, increasingly a lot of folks were building digitally native new insurance companies. And it was just really compelling to see that coming together. And so when I exited out of my last business, it was, uh, again, in the commercial lending space. We, we took it public in 2018. I took some time off and decided what I wanted to do next. Ultimately, got really excited to team up with uh, my co-founder as well as our early uh, backers and partners to, uh, to start Vouch. And uh, there are really two core theses that went into the, the formation of Vouch. The first is this belief that you can use technology and more advanced techniques on the analytics side to build a truly modern commercial insurance, not just 
distribution experience, but really kind of a full life cycle experience around commercial PNC. And then secondly, that there's an opportunity to drive real product innovation specifically focused on serving the needs of other early stage, high growth companies. And so two and a half years ago, we we kind of came together and uh, got excited about uh, building a business with those, those two kind of themes at their core. And that's kind of what brought us to where we are today. It's an amazing story. And I know it has a, a lot of twists and turns, but but thank you for, for sharing that, Sam. Just quickly, before we uh, really do a deep dive on Vouch, you kind of mentioned fintech versus insurtech and being in the fintech space and kind of seeing what was happening with insurtech. So, you know, I, I, I have not spent, I've, you know, career insurance professional over 20 years in the industry. So I have very limited exposure to fintech. Generally, what I hear is that fintech tends to be about 24 to 48 months ahead of insurtech. But I'm just kind of curious your thoughts about the difference, any similarities or differences between the two, and just you know any broad commentary that you you might have, knowing that our our audience is primarily insurtech, and they may have heard of fintech, uh, but not have had as much exposure to that. So, should they be interested in your thoughts? Well, I love both domains, and I view them as being reasonably close cousins. There are many, many similarities. There are some really important differences as well, but the similarities are. Number one, they tend to be dominated by very large incumbent players, many of which uh, were built through M&A, meaning they were built inorganically over a lot of period of time. And there are some you know, kind of side effects from that. Second, regulatory compliance is a major factor that you need to think about. Third, you need to think a lot about underwriting and risk management and capital management in the actual design of the business model that you are, you are doing. And fourthly, they tend to actually be pretty fragmented, particularly on the B2B side in terms of all of the different niches where there are specialty players doing some really interesting things. I would also say that my experience across InsurTech and FinTech is, particularly over the last decade or so, there are a couple of mega trends which are really accelerating the pace of change that is going on in the industry. One of those is obviously the you know expectation amongst all forms of customers be they consumers or businesses, for digitally native service offerings, right? And I think both in banking services and in the insurance space, you know, both large incumbents as well as new disruptors are very mindful of that, of that um, expectation. So that's one. Secondly, they're the emergence of more novel um, business models that are enabled based on the internet and based on the availability of more structured data, right? The fact that you can pull in a huge amount of information around a customer be it someone you might want to offer credit to or someone you might want to offer an insurance policy to and really have a very granular data-driven view of them at the time of initial underwriting, that wouldn't have been possible you know, 20 or 30 years ago. Maybe you could rely on some bureau data, but there really weren't all that many other structured data sources. That has changed materially you know, since then. And then thirdly, honestly, there's just a new set of participants in, in the market due to, frankly, the way markets have globalized and what that implies in terms of global competition. There are expectations around embedded service offerings in, in certain uh, segments. And frankly, just the pace of change has accelerated. And I think that's true across many different industries, but particularly so in uh, in both financial services and, uh, and insurance. So those are the big similarities. Now, differences, obviously, the specific regulators are very different. The, the way you think about the tail on risk, that is very different. The fact that, you know, the direction of money flows in credit granting and insurance, that's a big difference, right? In credit, it's all about getting the money back. And insurance, it's about, you know, them giving you the money and then you you calibrating, you know, what claims you're expected to pay. 
but and, and not to in any way dismiss those differences. They're important, nuanced differences. But I, I would start by saying again, there there are a lot of similarities too. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you bringing that down for us, Sam. Very very thoughtful. And yeah, the the money flow piece is very interesting. Um, you know, I spent the bulk of my career at USA, which of course is known as a, a major insurance player, but also has a fairly large banking operation. And yep. I remember talking with executives on the other side and absolutely the flow of money for when we had executives that would kind of have roles in both sides uh, of the company. That was something that they all commented on. So Sam, before we get into to, to Vouch, I, I want to have you talk a little bit about your customers and specifically the startups. You know, why do startups need a dedicated provider? What makes them special or or unique as a customer base that, you know, I, I guess a traditional agent or broker may not serve as well? Definitely. So let me start by just being really clear on the target market we're serving today, which are small early stage technology driven companies that have the potential to grow very quickly. And so the way we think about this is either startups that are venture backed or they could be venture backed, whether they are venture backed um, or not in the technology sector. Now, the reason why I think this is a particularly interesting segment, it really goes back to the Mark Andreessen quip of software is eating the world, right? I am, I mean, I see, and I think, again, you know, we're talking about it in the context of banking and insurance services. Software is changing the way virtually every sector works. And startups are a major component of that. They also have very different risk attributes and very different exposures in them. And that implies that they both need different coverage that is also underwritten and rated differently than if you were rating a more traditional, you know, in the real world business. So let me give you some very specific examples. For a, you know, a a software business, for example, their E&O exposure is going to follow the type of client they serve, not dissimilar from an offline services business. But things like the way their EPL exposure might work or their GL exposure might work are going to have much more to do with the way their workforce is set up and deployed. Are they in office? Are they fully distributed? You know, how much of it is computer work versus, you know, you know work kind of moving around in the, in the real world? And unless you, again, have a really granular view on those differences and actually have the data sources necessary to rate them, in a lot of cases, both the, the coverage you might recommend, but also honestly, the way it's underwritten rated will be off. And we see this every single day at Vouch. So picking up on that, the first thing we did in building Vouch was we built out an incredibly detailed risk taxonomy. We actually took tech, this kind of big amorphous thing, and broke it down into a bunch of very specific sub-niches. And those niches are really defined based on who is the customer, what is the revenue model, where are the employees, what type of employees do they have, and what are the idiosyncratic exposures that might be unique given all of those different factors. And as a result of that, we, when a client comes to us, can immediately distinguish between some of the specific risks, let's say inherent to, on the one hand, a digital gaming company versus a digital health company on the other hand. And that, again, it's under the, the underlying capability is really a, a risk taxonomy and a data-driven one. But with the way it manifests is a much more streamlined and personalized user journey for the insured relative to what they can get through other channels. And so pulling this back to why would a startup work with Vouch as opposed to others, number one, it's a lot faster, right? You can actually apply and, and actually get coverage under 10 minutes. Number two, the coverage that's recommended and the way the actual form that we built is designed, it's tailored with specific coverage features 
designed for this end market. So that's the second major factor. And then thirdly, it's also rated and underwritten in a way that is specific to these types of businesses. And so in a lot of cases, people are actually able to save money as well because their exposure profile is different versus one of their analogs that might operate again in a more traditional a traditional manner. So that's that's what what goes into it from a from a uh, client experience perspective. And so, uh, just in terms of the the actual product, right? The the forums and coverages is that something that you've come up with? Do you've got reinsurance backers? I think Munich Re is one that's mentioned, and others. Maybe you can just kind of give people sure. a little bit of the inner workings behind the scenes that a customer might not see, but insurance pros would want to know details on. Definitely. So, Vouch is currently set up as a commercial lines MGA. We have a carrier partner, which is State National, not too far away from Rob from where, where you're based as uh, their HQ. And then on the capacity side, Munich Re is our, our anchor uh, reinsurance partner. And we really like that setup because we've worked very closely with those partners, again, to design a digital experience, a form, set of approved filings, and also an underwriting and rating framework which is very well tailored to meet the needs of this in market. Sam, you talked about not just tech startups, but a specific kind, right? Early stage that have the ability to, to you know, grow and, and scale. Maybe you can talk about uh, you know, uniqueness, I guess, among that group um, the, versus a, a more broad view of you know, all startups, right? And, and maybe what are some unique things of those that are companies that, again, you know, five years from now might be household names to folks, but we haven't heard of today. Yeah, for sure. So a, c- a couple characteristics, one of which is, again, they have a very strong preference for digitally native service offerings. So the notion of filling out PDFs and sending them by email, let alone by a fax, I mean, that's just completely abhorrent to a startup founder who's used to having every other service they consume delivered as SaaS. So that's a first major factor. Secondly, they have the characteristic of growing quickly or going out of business. Right. That's kind of inherent in the startup model. You know, you either are going to find something that has, you know, some real growth to it and take off and attract more resources and keep going, or you're going to stumble. You're not going to find product market fit and you're going to go away. So thinking about, for example, you know, how do you, you know, what are, what are the, you know, the estimates you use around some of the different factors on which you're rating that business, given that pace of change, that's really tricky and something you have to be really thoughtful about. Otherwise, it'd be really easy to overprice or underprice relative to the exposures that actually are tracking that, uh, that, that, that growth. So that's, a, that's a, a, second, a second major one. Related to that, there's also a big pressure on uh, servicing expectations because the behavior we see all the time is an insured will come to us or a client, I should say, a prospective client will come to us. We will you know, write their initial policy or you know, set of, of, of coverages. And then three months later, they'll come back and they'll need to raise limit and they'll need to tack on another line. And you know, frankly, the profile of the business may have changed dramatically. So how do you deliver a great experience, not just the first time, but several months later when you need to do something that's a bit more comprehensive and robust? That also is a, an aspect of this business that I think is pretty unique, I mean, which, again, we've designed Vouch to, uh, to accommodate. Very fascinating. So if you were to compare and contrast, I guess, the service experience from Vouch clients with a traditional agent or broker, certainly that digital native part that you mentioned, but... You know, what are some other distinguishing features or characteristics? And, and you know, I'm, I'm in particular curious about, you know, are, are people mostly interacting with you via tech for servicing needs? Or, you know, is there a call center or, or face-to-face? Or when, when do, you know, oftentimes, like, it's, it's really about 
humans need to be involved at certain points, but making sure they're involved in the things that humans do well, right? And yep. <laughs> machines no, do things they do well. So yeah, just kind of curious what that looks like. I, I'm a big believer in that hybridization as well, right? It's really about designing a business process, process so you use technology to do the things that should be automated and routinized and versus where do you actually want to have people involved, either because it improves the client experience or because that incremental judgmental discretion actually adds a lot of signal in, in how you actually manage this to a situation. So we definitely have taken that mentality designing the way Vouch works. So let me separate it in terms of initially applying versus client service post-bond. So on the initial application, you can, and in a lot of cases we see, startups come, apply for coverage, and you know, in effect bind without talking to a human at all. And from our perspective, in many cases, that's great because it, it's a fast, seamless experience where we've provided a dynamic recommendation around what coverage we think is appropriate, right? And we have a licensed agency, you know, set up to, to do exactly that and a set of, you know, technology-driven rules that allow for that recommendation to be delivered. Now, in other cases, either because the client wants it or because there's enough complexity in the business where we think it is more uh, appropriate, we will actually have someone talk to one of our experienced insurance advisors. And so that is also something that's, you know, distinguished we don't have folks on our team, you know, within our agency who serve all types of businesses, right? We have folks who specifically are educated and trained up on the way this in-market works so they can give really good advice to clients, uh, both existing and prospective ones, around the way risk works in their business and therefore also what they should do from a, from a coverage perspective. So that is a second piece. Once someone is a vouch client, then we have the ability for them to come in and request, obviously, changes in, in, in coverage. It could be an increase in limit. It could be you know, tacking on an additional insurance product. And again, depending on what that request is, it'll either be human-supported or digitally native as far as the experience uh, uh, goes. And then the last point I'd make is, from an underwriting perspective, obviously, for businesses that have very specific coverage requirements or unique risks, we also have folks on our team who are really experienced commercial PNC underwriters who will do that case-level review and make sure you know, we're getting it right both in terms of what, what coverage is offered, but also whether we want to actually take on that risk. Yeah, fascinating. And and it's, it's really an art, you know, some of these customer journeys and, and like you said, customizing recommendations. And, and I always feel like it's a win when people don't have to talk to somebody to acquire coverage that meets their needs. But, you know, I, I, I see people where either A, to your point, makes sense for the human to come in because this would get very, you know, complicated and, and potentially wrapped around the axle, right? And you, you want to intervene or just for that, I'm doing the right thing. I'm buying what I think I'm buying. Yep. You know, insurance tends to be a product we don't buy very often relative to, you know, whatever it is out there. Think about your, you know, consumer well, product. In, in reality, that. most of us, you no, know, I didn't mean to catch you off, but most of us don't actually use it very often either. Right? right. So it's it's not just about creating a great experience around getting the insurance. It's also making sure that should someone need to use their insurance, they actually understand what's covered and they have a realistic expectation around how that event is going to go down as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're you're spot on. It's spending something that uh, costs a lot of money, right? And relative, particularly for a startup, right? Any cost you're going to be sensitive to. I hope I don't use, right? And if I do have to use it, I darn well better want to make sure that I am covered for the things that I want. The, the worst case would be buying the insurance, paying the premium, that I have some loss event only to find out that I'm I'm not properly you know, covered. And I, I don't have the coverage that I, I, I think I have. You, you I have thought you had. Exposures. Yep. Yeah. 
Sam, maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, on your website, you uh, mentioned some top startup funders such as Rubik Capital, Silicon Valley Bank, Y Combinator, Index Ventures. Are these like affiliate partners with you? And, and what does kind of your acquisition strategy look like sure. to let startups know that are the right target for you that you vouches out there and what you guys do? We are really lucky to have a great group of investors who've backed vouch, you know, in our, in our early days. And so the folks you mentioned, uh, Ribbit, Silicon Valley Bank, Y Combinator, and uh, also Index are all major equity investors in Vouch. And we're really excited to have all of them, as well as a number of others involved in our cap table and helping you know, fuel our growth. They're all folks who have deep experience in this, uh, this domain and where they have a lot of enthusiasm around you know, what, what, what we're trying to do. From a distribution perspective, in addition to providing capital backing, there also are a couple of those folks who have been very powerful as uh, distribution partners. We took our company, Vouch itself, through the Y Combinator batch in summer of 2019. That was a great experience for us because it allowed us to really hone our product and really make sure we are understanding the psychology and user behavior of the types of startups we were trying to serve. I mean, YC was great for many reasons, but that from a commercial perspective was particularly useful in really honing in what we were trying to do. We serve many, many YC startups, right? We see a lot of startups from each batch, as well as folks who graduated from batches coming to vouch once they reach milestones in their business where they need insurance coverage. And so that's, uh, that's been terrific. It's been really helpful in building the, uh, the type of brand we want to build. Silicon Valley Bank has been an anchor partner for vouch since the very get-go. We are the preferred commercial insurance partner for Silicon Valley Bank for its client base across the United States. For folks who are not familiar with SVB, SVB is the leading commercial bank focused on the venture-backed ecosystem. You know, it's a space they've been covering as a for, from a banking services perspective for you know, 40 years or so. And we work very closely with them to ensure that their clients, to the extent those clients have insurance needs, they are, you know, again, given the right offer, given the right coverage when the when the time comes. And we work all across the organization in terms of doing that in the right way. So those are a couple of examples of the way that we work with partners to get in front of clients. I'd say at a high level, you know, we, we've set a vouch primarily to be to kind of go direct, if you will. We obviously have a carrier partner who's technically the writer, where it's very much a direct model. And then we use these strategic partners to make sure, again, we are getting introduced to those uh, those prospective clients at the right time. Yeah, I think that's uh, just amazingly powerful, A, just to have them from developing your own business perspective, but then also be a potential Right, pipeline and, and source of, of prospects. So that's great that it kind of works on on multiple levels. So, you know, kind of getting to the the end here, Sam, you know, you mentioned kind of, you know, the full suite of products that you do and the customization that you've done. I'm curious to know if there are, you know, new products or, or, or exposures that you don't think are being adequately served today that, you know, maybe new products you're thinking about for the future and then just, you know, open up to, I guess, opine on, the future of InsureTech in general, we've got a, a news item coming up that a research article said, you know, expect InsureTech uh, premiums to double by 2025. Actually, that doesn't seem aggressive enough to me. <laughs> I was surprised, like, oh, duh, right? It's, you know, this really just kind of started, like you said, five, 10 years ago, right? So, but yeah, just kind of your thoughts on, you know, InsureTech going forward. Sure. So we see tremendous opportunities to innovate both on the insurance product side and on the experiential side. Now, we, I say that knowing there obviously are lots of nuances around how each of these submarkets works and also you know, a real sense that we need to take real care in how we think about underwriting and rating so we don't get out over our skis. 
So do we have big aspirations in terms of the type of product innovation we can drive at Vouch? Absolutely. We'll actually have a couple of announcements here a bit later in the year about uh, new products we're getting out into market, which we're really excited about, which we think will sing to some of the the needs and, and the goals that we've heard from, from clients we see out in the market. But we want to make sure that that pace of product innovation is done at a rate that's appropriate, given our understanding and kind of the data we have to underwrite and rate up properly. In terms of you know big predictions for how the space is going to uh, play forward, my belief is any insurance business that doesn't think about how a direct relationship with a consumer matters, both in terms of the ease of getting the insurance, but also the life cycle management of the experience, they're probably going to miss a step. And I'd also offer that that relationship, even those who are going through brokers, right? And I, I want to be really clear, our message at Vouch is not an anti-broker one. We know a lot of folks in the broker community we have a tremendous amount of respect for. And I think for lots of segments, going through a broker to get coverage is the right approach. For the early stage startups we're serving today, we believe that a direct approach is the right approach. But even for those carriers that are going through brokers, making sure that they can work with a broker to ensure that the overall lifecycle management of that account is done thoughtfully and that you can do things like actually influence risk outcomes, I think that's going to be really important. And people have been talking about this in, in you know insurance for, for decades, but it's only, I think, with the advent of digital technologies that allow you to do it in a scalable way with real data that allow you to have insights on what's going on at that account level, you can actually do it realistically for a wider share of clients than the ones uh, for whom that is happening uh, right now. So that kind of integrated approach around how you work with a client or through a broker and the client, use data to manage the lifecycle of the account, I think that is a that is a major shift that's going on in addition to all of the digitally native product and service offerings that are that are going on. To your point around you know capacity and and kind of the you know the way rate will play out, I mean my view on that is it's going to depend obviously based on the underlying subsector. You know what happens in homeowners is going to be on some level a little bit different than what happens in small commercial for all the obvious reasons, and also there are going to be differences you know organization to organization, right? We our belief at Vouch is we want to do right by our partners, including those partners who who've worked with us since the get go, and that means we want to take a sustainable view as to underwriting and the volatility of our underwriting results. I, I, you know, different, different new players will think about that dimension differently, put it that way. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great synopsis. And actually, we've got an article here I'm going to mention that talks a little bit about loss ratio financials at root is one of the news items that we have this week. So fantastic thoughts. Great to, to have you on, Sam, and um, really excited about what you're doing at Vouch and wish you the, the best of luck. So with that, let me transition quickly to news items. James had provided a couple of news items this week that I wanted to, to share with our audience. The first I, I, I mentioned previously, Juniper Research came out this week and said that the total value of insurance premiums generated by InsurTech platforms will have more than doubled within five years worldwide. And they expect it to go from an estimated $250 billion today to $556 billion by 2025. So there's some, some big numbers. So, you know, TBD on that, but, but, you know, it's, it's funny, you start seeing those numbers and you really, you know, it gets to be, be eye popping a billion here, a billion there, you start talking about real money, right? Uh, Now we're talking about insurances at over $5 trillion global market. So, you know, keep that in mind, but I think it really speaks to the success of uh, InsurTech. I don't have any uh, reason to, to doubt that that will actually come to fruition in 2025. And then the other news item that James shared is that Root 
uh, has rode the wave of increasing demand for usage-based insurance amid the pandemic, and they announced that they had $346 million in revenue last year, up from $290 million the year prior. That helped it to improve its direct loss ratio to 82% from 99.9% in 2019 in a letter that they sent to shareholders. So to your point, Sam, just kind of about that sustainability. And I know that's been from someone that monitors both the enthusiast, of which I consider myself one, and the critics of InsureTech. You know, it's all about the bottom line. It's all about the loss ratio. What about the loss ratio? That's that's the, probably the number one uh, critique that I've heard. And I've always felt that that will come over time in, uh, again, very uh, organization by organization. But, you know, with data with experience, you know, you have that ability to adjust your underwriting, to adjust your rating, as you mentioned, Sam. So I, I, I would guess that you, you know, just as you're doing in batch, that you kind of see that that many other insurtechs in this space are, are going through a similar process. But any, any additional thoughts that you have on just getting that balance right between, you know, certainly providing, you know, the the, the product and the, the service and the experience side, but then, you know, having that that bottom line that you've got to manage to as well? And how do you hit that right balance? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. I guess my biggest thought here is I think too many people have been focused on very short-term results and not nearly focused enough on the integral of results over time. And so, you know, the, the case study you just mentioned around the improvement for Root, I think is a great example of that. If you were to take a five-year view of the way those results would play out, what is the implication, right? How do you kind of think about that on an overall portfolio basis with respect to dollars in and dollars out. And I don't want to make it about Root specifically, but I think just in general, these are businesses that take time to build, at least to build in the right way. And is it okay sometimes to subsidize some losses up front in order to get a, you know data and, and kind of more rigorous underwriting so that several years in, you can do things more thoughtfully? I think conceptually, that's a totally appropriate thing. And that's honestly where you know equity risk capital uh, comes in. And hence, I think the the appetite of a lot of venture capitalists um, in this space. And so I guess that'd be my, my gentle pushback to uh, those folks who've been consistently critical of insurtechs. You know, it's one thing if we, if we were to say, we're going to lose money forever, but it's another thing to say, we are going to have to figure out things over a f- uh, the first few years so that we can tighten them up over time. And that's a, it's just a very different mentality for Vouch. We, we actually think we've got the opportunity to do a lot of that sooner rather than later. That's fantastic. And I really appreciate you sharing that mindset. And, and yeah, I think that's, you know, sometimes we talk about, right, the federal budget deficit, right? And why doesn't the, the federal government run the way that, you know, our households might run in terms of, you know, how much credit card debt and, and, and mortgage and whatnot. And, you know, it's it's good, I guess, to to have that as a, you know, as a, as a mindset, as a parable or some, you know, kind of an anecdote that you can kind of grasp onto an analogy, right? But sometimes these analogies break down and, and it's not the same, right? As running your own. And so, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's maybe not the, there's a lot of considerations going to, I guess I'll put it that way. Right. And so the, the, the timing in the short term versus, you know, medium and, and long term, the different tra- time horizons involved are going to vary by company, you know, based on the founders, based on the investors, all, a whole host of different uh, factors. So something for everyone out there to keep in mind. I certainly, if you, you know, I, th- I think over time, you know, if you see performance that's that's not improving or that's, you know, getting worse over time or whatnot, you know, you can draw conclusions. I'm not saying that every intro tech is, is managed perfectly from a, a growth and profitability perspective, but it's something that you have to always take these numbers particularly early on with a, a grain of salt the last item i wanted to uh 
mentioned in our news roundup this week is the insurance startup Hippo is going to go public in a $5 billion SPAC merger. And I've got several friends at Hippo. So congratulations to them. This article, uh, it's all over the news, but the one I'm quoting is from the Wall Street Journal. Hippo is going to go public through a merger with reInvent Technology Partners Z, which has co-directors Reed Hoffman, who is the LinkedIn code founder, and Mark Pincus, who's the founder of uh, Zynga, the mobile game uh, developer. So a couple of really big names in Silicon Valley, not just uh, in the insurance space. And it's kind of fun, I think, when some of the, the Valley legends are ones that are getting involved in the insurance side. The article says that Hippo's move will provide funding as it continues the transition from being a partner to insurance carriers that provides a digital sales channel for them to being both a partner and a direct competitor. And it goes on to note that they had acquired another carrier, Spinnaker, last year. So congratulations to the folks at Hippo. Any thoughts on this news this week? I assume this came across your radar, Sam. Rob, I think you said it well. Um, really exciting to see, you know, big names like the folks involved with that, uh, that SPAC getting involved with Hippo. We also know the folks at Hippo really well, and we're really excited for them, right? I mean, I think it's another bellwether event for the space and just speaks to the equity capital markets enthusiasm for these big digitally native players um, and their ability to, you know, deliver meaningfully better customer experiences in the segments they're playing. So definitely one we're watching carefully and one we're rooting for. Fantastic. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up. I want to thank my guest, Sam Hodges from Vouch. Sam, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about Vouch? Our website is vouch.us and people can always email me at sam.hodges at vouch.us. Really appreciate being on the show and love to hear from folks. And this has been the Insure Tech Geek Podcast powered by JB Knowledge, jbknowledge.com. It's all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham, jamesbenham.com, with my co-host, Rob Galbraith, endofinsurance.com. Big thanks to Jim Greenlee, our podcast producer, Kara Daltonara, our creative producer, and thank you for joining us today. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. See you next time. <laughs>